This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. I'm going to start this morning in Luke chapter 21, verse 5, and it says, And as some spake of the temple, how it was adorned with goodly stones and gifts, Jesus said, As for these things which you behold, the days will come in which there shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And they asked him, meaning his disciples asked him, saying, Master, but when shall these things be? And what sign will there be when these things shall come to pass? We want to know when it's going to happen, and we want to know what to look for to know it's close. And he said, Take heed that you be not deceived. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and the time draweth near. Go ye not therefore after them. Now, that indicates to me that he's talking about deception in, uh, as far as um, the things of God are concerned. So maybe, a, uh, maybe the best way to summarize that is to, is to say don't be deceived by church doctrine or religious doctrine or whatever label you want to put on it. There's a lot of deception going on in the world that really doesn't have anything to do with who Jesus is and, and so forth. I believe at least to some degree, that the things that we see happening around us and things that are identified as natural disasters is the earth groaning and travailing, waiting for Jesus to come back and set things right. Therefore, I think it's safe to say, if, if that assumption or, or idea is correct, I think it's safe to say that the earth, which is under the influence of Satan, is doing all these things or all these things are occurring because of his influence but not, not directly with his hand being the cause of it and so forth. I didn't say that very well but I hope you understand what I mean. Well, I think people have always wanted to know the same things that the disciples wanted to know and what they asked him. When's this going to happen? And what can we look for for it to know that it's coming? Jesus went ahead and said in verse 9, But when you shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified, for these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. Then he said unto them, Nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And great earthquakes shall be in diverse places, and famines, and pestilences, and fearful sights, and great signs shall there be from heaven. We've made this comment before. Nations shall rise against nation. That word is ethnos. It means race wars race riots and, and conflict between the races. And then when he talks about kingdoms, that's, that's referring to boundaries or territories, what we would know as one country going to war with another. So he's talking about things that are happening in us as a country, and he's also talking about things that will come against us as a people from the outside. But before all these, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and into prisons, being brought before kings and the rulers for my name's sake. Now, notice it says delivering you up to the synagogues. He's talking about religious persecution specifically brought upon by the Jews. That was Paul's greatest problem in his life here on the earth and fulfilling his ministry. It was the, it was the Jews that were after him. It wasn't the unsaved. It were the, they were the religious leaders that were prompting and instigating so much of the persecution that he suffered. So he's got to be talking about the disciples. Some of this information has got to be talking about the disciples specifically 
and relating to their time on the earth after his resurrection. I believe the principle is true for all of us that the church will be persecuted more and more as we get closer to the end. One of the things that's, uh, that's apparent if, uh, to those that are willing to see it is that people that used to not be on God's side, not believe in God, whatever, whether we're talking about atheism or whether we're talking about somebody that's just not into God, people used to have respect in the public setting. People used to have respect for God and those that believed in God. That seems to be gone now. The positions that, that the people that are against God are taking is such that they don't think you should be able to survive or live because of your position with God. And we see that increasing more and more. So some of these things Jesus is talking about, he's talking about specifically for them and other things he's talking about as far as principles that will apply to us. I think that's important to, to recognize as we identify what he says is going to happen. He goes further and says, And it shall turn to you for a testimony. Settle it therefore in your hearts not to meditate before what you shall answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. And you shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinsfolk and friends and some of you they shall cause to be put to death. And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but there shall not a hair of your head perish. Now, folks, compare verse 16 and verse 18. You shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinsfolk and friends. And some of you they shall cause to be put to death, but there shall not a hair on your head perish. How can those fit together? They'll put you to death, but your head won't perish. Your hair won't perish. There's got to be something more than just a casual reading will reveal in these scriptures. But the one I really want to get to is verse 19. It says, in your patience, possess ye your souls. The world's messed up, folks. And Jesus said, don't be afraid when you hear about these things. He said, in your patience, possess ye your souls. In your patience, possess ye your souls. And we know that the Bible tells us to renew our minds to the word. So when Jesus said that in, in, in your patience you possess your souls, he's got to be talking about the development of patience as a part of the renewing of the mind. He knows what the soul is. He knows that the Bible would indicate to us and has taught us that the, the soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions of man. So he says patience, the development of patience is critical for the renewing of the mind and re retaining your peace in these last days. Now I've got a question for you. Where did the concept of patience come from? If you look up the word patience in the Old Testament, you can't find it. There's one time in the Old Testament in the book of Ecclesiastes where it says it uses the word patient. Now the word that's translated patient in that one place in the Old Testament. It's used a handful of times, and it's always talking about long-suffering or God being slow to anger or something like that. So where, without any information in the Old Testament to speak of, concerning the word patient or the, 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 uh, the concept of patience and the development of patience, where did it come from? God didn't talk about it in the Old Testament. 
But now all of a sudden in the New Testament, we've got scriptures that we all are familiar with, like in James chapter 1 where he said, count it all joy when you fall into different te- uh, temptations, tests, trials, afflictions, trouble. Mean, it really means adversity. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Where'd that come from? That was not part of the Jewish mindset. It was not part of the law of Moses. But it's greatly emphasized in the New Testament. Here's an example where Jesus told us about it. In Luke chapter 8, verse 15, he talks about the parable of the sower sowing the word. He says, the good ground brings forth fruit with patience. So we go from the Old Testament talking about obedience and obedience to the law of God, the commandments, and so forth, to the New Testament where we're saved by grace through faith in the work of God already accomplished. And all of a sudden, patience is the issue, or a big one. Where did it come from? When Jesus talks about, in your patience, possess you, your souls, he used terminology that everybody was familiar with of that day, so they didn't need to ask him, what does that mean? But they certainly would have had a right to say, why patience? Paul talked about patience being one of the key uh, attributes or characteristics of his calling as an apostle. He said, I've done the works of an apostle and provided many signs and wonders among you as an apostle with patience. Now, folks, any way you want to define patience, anything that you want to use as a description, the word used in the uh, New Testament, the Greek word used in the New Testament, describes constancy and expectancy. So patience is obviously talking about, can only be talking about maintaining the same mindset whether things look good or things look bad. So I'm going to give you a definition of patience that I've come up with. You judge it for yourself, see what you think. Patience, as identified in Scripture, seems to be the acceptance of circumstances, knowing that your words will change them knowing that the words you've spoken will change those circumstances. When James talks about asking in faith, nothing wavering. When Jesus talks about believe you receive when you pray. That's when we come under the greatest attack, it seems, in our minds against our souls, which is the only place the devil can really attack you. Through circumstances, through, uh, through influence, through speaking words to your mind. And it all has to do with time. See, if time is not a factor, there's nothing to be patient about. I want you to look with me at a couple of scriptures. Romans chapter 5. I'm going to start in verse 1. He says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God that's true. The peace with God that we have through Jesus means God's not against us. We don't have to be concerned about him trying to come after us, teach us something through trouble or adversity or tragedy or whatever. We have peace. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace, into everything Jesus paid for, into everything Jesus bought with the shedding of his blood. By whom, by Jesus also, we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Do we? 
Paul's saying by the Holy Ghost that we should. He's saying by the Holy Ghost that's the life that he's living as an example for us. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation, test trials and afflictions, worketh patience. Why is that such a big deal? Why is that so important to God? Why is that necessary? The Bible talks a lot about patience. Jesus said that patience, and your patience possess your souls. He told us that patience was the key ingredient, or a key ingredient, a major component to the renewing of the mind. Now remember in Romans chapter 3, I mean Romans chapter 12, where Paul talked about the importance of that. He said in verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service or spiritual worship, as many other translations say. And then he went on in verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove or determine by experience what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He's telling us, Paul's telling us by the Holy Ghost, if we don't learn to renew our minds, if we don't develop patience to be constant in our expectancy for things that we can't see and don't look like they're working, if we can't be set and established in that, then we're going to be just like the world. He's talking about the world that has no hope. And your patience possesses you your souls. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Jesus said the kingdom of God is as a man speaking the word of God into his heart. You exercising your authority in the name of Jesus by whom you have access into the kingdom of heaven to say that for you, you are free from the influence of sickness and disease. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. In your patience, possess you your souls. One of the definitions of faith that I like is unquestioning trust. Unquestioning trust. Now, you know as well as I do that when we hit hard places, questions bombard our minds. I think the devil works a lot in questions. Now, questions can be beneficial for you. They can be a check and a balance to make sure you're doing what the Bible says to do and operating the way that the Bible instructs us to operate. But that's not why the devil wants to bring questions to you. He wants you to question whether or not God is faithful, whether his word is true or not, and whether or not you're doing something wrong. That's the area of the realm of questions that the devil operates in. And if that definition of faith, unquestioning trust, is to be accepted and believed, 
then that's an indication to us that real faith, unwavering faith, takes hold and takes root when all the questions just pass by. That doesn't mean we'll have the answers for everything. There's a lot of things that we don't have the answers for. But the trying of our faith comes to the place where we simply say, I don't have all the answers and I don't know, but I believe God. Again, James said in chapter one of the letter he wrote to the church, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Paul said that he gloried and rejoiced in tribulations, knowing that it develops patience. But one thing Jesus said that seems pretty clear cut to me. He said in in Matthew's gospel and also in Luke, he talked about looking at Israel. One time he talked about Israel being like a tree. In Luke chapter 21, he talks about Israel being like a tree, which signifies the nation of Israel being recreated, which took place in 1947. The other place that he talks about looking for a sign was not Israel as a country, but Jerusalem as a city. He talked about Jerusalem coming back to the Jews, which happened in 1967, the Six-Day War. And in both of those cases, he says concerning the ones that would see Israel come back to uh, being a nation, 1947, Jerusalem coming back into the hands of the, the, the Jewish people in 1967, he said, the generation that sees those things shall not pass away till all these things are fulfilled. So the generation that saw the 1947 events and the 1967 events concerning Jerusalem, the Six-Day War, he said, that'd be the generation that sees it all. That's us. Now, I wish I knew when Jesus was coming back. I've got some major purchases that I'm considering that I would <laughs> kind of... That sounds silly, and it is. But I think that's a lot of the reasons we want to know when Jesus is coming back. We're looking at ourselves. We're looking at our comfort. We're looking at our activities, our plans, and so forth. And if we could just figure out when Jesus is coming back, it would help set those things in order. Turn with me to James chapter 5. Interestingly enough, of course, I'm sure this is just coincidence. But interestingly enough, Patience is talked about concerning Jesus' return. Verse 7, be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Be constant, be steady unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and has long patience for it until he received the early and the latter rain. Now, folks, when it talks about God having long patience for something, That could be, and in my thinking is, an indication that God's willing to wait a lot longer than we would be. See, if it was up to me, I'd just set things in order right away. And I've asked God to help me divide between people when they stand before him according to the things they did here on the earth. I'm not sure that he heard and answered that prayer. But that part seems to me to be the, t- the time when 
righteous judgment is a good thing. And it's easy for me to look around and say, they're good, they're not. They're not, they're not, they're not, they're not. But God has long patience for this. Because he's willing to give people chances that I'm not willing to give them. Yeah, hallelujah is right. It's a good thing it's not up to me. And I'd be better at it than you. But God has long patience for it until he received the early and the latter rain. So what should we do? Verse 8, be ye also patient and establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. So even though it's going to seem like a long time and long overdue, and you know as well as I do, every generation thinks there's the one that's going to see Jesus come back. The disciples thought that. They had no idea that, that the plan of God was to, for this thing to go a couple of thousand years past them. No clue. It seems to me one of the reasons that Paul taught about the rapture and about Jesus coming back to the churches that he established was because he was expecting it to happen any time. And that was 2,000 years ago. So he tells us, be patient, therefore, brethren, under the coming of the Lord. Be patient, steady, steadfast. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. There's a lot of things shaking in the world around us. And maybe it's a good thing that we don't hear about everything at once. One of the things that Jesus said about the end times would be that people, men's hearts would fail for fear. Well, if the news came on every day and told us about everything and, uh, and all the things that are happening, of course, they'd miss a lot of it because they don't judge it by the scripture. But it wouldn't take long to shake most of the church into a quivering mass of jello. Because the only thing that holds you steady is the renewed mind, the mind that is renewed to the word of what Jesus and, and, the, word, and the Holy Ghost told us about things in the end. And I hope with all of my being that you're able to see the things that are going on and not be upset or afraid of them. He tells us to be patient. Turn with me over to Hebrews chapter 10. Here's one place where the, the um, word patience isn't used, but I think you can see the principle behind it. Notice verse 23. Well, we'll back up to verse 22. Let us draw near, talking about drawing near to the throne of God. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. In other words, he's talking about be aware of who you are through the blood of Jesus. Come boldly before the throne of God to obtain mercy and, and find grace to help in time of need because you've been washed in the blood of Jesus. Then he says in verse 23, piggybacking on to the knowledge of who we are in Christ, he says, let us hold fast. I see that as a therefore. I see that as verse 22 telling us who we are in Christ and because now we know who we are in Christ, therefore, verse 23 let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. 
for he is faithful that promised. Now, folks, why would you have to hold fast if things didn't delay? You wouldn't. Again, we're back to the 30-minute answered prayer. Or whatever time period it was. Let's say it was a month. Let's say it was six months. If you knew that in six months things would change, a lot of the church would be able to, to hold out. The longer the time period, the fewer really would, I guess. But there is no time frame on this. There's no time frame whatsoever. So Paul is saying, because of who we are in Christ, don't give up. Don't waver. Don't turn loose of the faith that you've exercised through the words of your mouth. Don't turn loose. You remember when uh, Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house, Jairus' daughter was at the point of death. And so Jesus said, I'll come go with you. Then the woman with the issue of blood comes up, touches him from behind, comes through the crowd and fights her way through the crowd and reaches out, touches the hem of his garment and is healed. Jesus stops. Now here's a critical condition for Jairus' daughter. In our thinking, every moment, every second would count because she's at the point of death. Jairus doesn't know that she's already died. That information comes a little bit later. The woman with issue of blood comes up, reaches out, touches him, grabs hold of him from behind. Jesus feels power go out of him. Now, everybody's touching him. Everybody that can reach him is reaching out to touch him. But there's one person that reaches out in faith, only one in the multitude. With all the things that Jesus has done, with all the signs and wonders that he's performed, so much so that Jairus knows if I can just get Jesus to my house to take care of her and help my daughter, she'll be whole. With everything that's going on, Jesus stops and talks to the woman with the issue of blood. After he gets her squared away, finds out what happened, and we have the account of it, the 12 years and the doctors and all the other stuff. Immediately after Jesus says, go your way, your faith has made you whole. Somebody comes from Jairus' house and says, it's too late. Your daughter's dead. You remember what Jesus said? He's turned to Jairus immediately and said, be not afraid, only believe. He's saying, don't cast away your confidence. Now to the natural mind, There'd be no reason to still have confidence. There'd be no reason whatsoever. Jairus expected to get Jesus there to his house before his daughter died so that she wouldn't die. But even death wasn't too much for Jesus to overcome. Even death wasn't something to fear. Even it looking like it's too late wasn't something that Jesus said to be afraid of. The Bible tells us to walk by faith and not by sight. That means to walk according to what God's Word says and not according to what we see or feel. Don't let your feelings and don't let the circumstances that you see around you stop you from acting on God's Word. His Word's always true. Thanks for watching today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. When we look to scriptures that tell us to pray for the rain, 
which is the glory of God. So that the precious fruit of the earth can come forth. The end time harvest can come forth. Where is that Holy Ghost going to move? That learns of Jesus and has been conformed to the image of his son. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.